Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and on this wonderful day, we have a woman with beauty and brains. She talks about things, about neurofeedback and things that we often avoid or may not even touch because it just looks intimidating, but she makes it fun. So I'm very, very interested in having her today and for y'all to hear more about her and what it is that she does. She is an international speaker and she is just a powerhouse. So I wanna to introduce to the show today, Lynette Louise. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on the show. I really, really, really appreciate it. Extra I'm, really for you. <laughs> I, I'm so excited. Can you tell listeners who you are and what you do? All right, well, my title kind of tells you a little bit, Dr. Lynette Louise, and people call me the brain broad. And I have a lot of fun with that because um, I remember when, you know, you're, you're first starting out and you're trying to find a way to coin a phrase that would represent you well. And people were calling me the brain lady, but it turned out there was a brain lady already. So <laughs> we, I was like, well, that's not good. I don't want to be someone else. I got to be me. <laughs> so I, uh, we, we passed it around and I said, well, what about, I love alliteration. I love when it's B, B. So brain broad sounded really cool to me. And there was a lady there and she goes, well, if you want to be that crass. And I, and I looked at her and I said, you know, first of all, I think it's not crass anymore. People don't really use the term broad the same as they used to when I was young. Secondly, I travel at home and abroad. I work with the brain. I'm all over the world. We can turn it into brain repair, overcoming astronomical dysfunctions so it can have a meaning. But mostly, I raised eight children. If you think I'm not abroad, you are way off base. <laughs> so let's own it. Let's step into the stage with the truth. And then I can talk about anything that might come up. So it's that. And I think that uh, explaining that already gives you sort of a taste for who I was and, and how my life has sort of shaped itself. And I've become someone who works with brain function mainly because I adopted children's challenges. So I started out with two biological children. I started adopting. They were multiply handicapped. They were cognitively challenged. They were on the spectrum of autism. Uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, all kinds of things, extreme abuse in their childhood. One boy was locked in a closet for a couple of years. So I had to figure out how to help them. And really, there was nobody that knew. So hence my education, the rubber to the road is the life I lived. I totally relate to what you're talking about. A lot of people don't understand that when we don't know about things, we have different ways of approaching it. We could either educate ourselves, we could either dig, we could either learn, or we can run. And when I saw your story and I saw that you had eight children, first of all, that alone just made me just think, oh my gosh, who is this woman? That's the first thing, because whenever you see somebody that is sane that has eight children, and then you add challenges to that, it's, you know, you have to know that you're dealing with a level of resilience that is astronomical. And then you think about the knowledge and wisdom that comes with that, and then you add a, a doctorate. Um, what made you choose this life, to choose this challenge of parenting children with challenges, and then and then how did it 
formulate into your purpose? Well, life chose me. Um, I had a, you know, that if you believe in manifesting, mm -hmm. um, then I had an open door and was willing to receive what came my way. But I definitely didn't set out to get a bunch of special needs kids that I was going to then cure or at least help function better. Um, what I set out to do was get two boys. I had two girls. I couldn't have any more children. My brother was adopted. My father was adopted. My nephews adopted. I mean, that was a normal mode of, of achieving parenthood. So I just was looking for kids and in the process saw the need. And, you know, that just sort of began to unfold. It was also selfish. Um, it was quicker. I wanted to love some children. I didn't have a, a picture in my head of what they had to be. And they wanted to place these children much quicker than they wanted to place the little baby that is perfectly healthy. And, you know, exactly. so I didn't want to wait nine years to get a child just so that it wouldn't have problems. I didn't see that as a option. Uh, so it's sort of that really life, the, the things that were offered to me fit this story. And, and this is the story I then lived where, again, this was an advantage. And I think people never think of this. So I, I'm going to bring it up because I adopted them. I had an advantage over all the special, all the specialists, all the uh, experts they would go to school, learn how to work with something, then try to apply it in like a school scenario. Mm -hmm. And I had them at home exactly. and was not the person, never in my life was I the person to give over to the authority and just go, well, you say it's this way, so therefore we'll do it that way, even though it looks worse on them. And so I was the one who could try and say, you know, no, it, that's worse. That's not better. And I've done many things trying to help my kids that, that I wish I hadn't, but, um, but very quickly stopped mm -hmm. because they were my children. If I was an expert first, so this is why I'm glad I got my doctorate late in life. Because if I was an expert first, I would have thought they were right. And I would have gone with what I was being taught. I would have called it autism when it didn't get better instead of calling it our fault because we were doing it wrong. So um, it's a great blessing. It was a great blessing to have that. And, and even to have uh, child abuse as my beginning because I didn't just believe you because you were the authority. You know, my mom was a teacher and she was very violent. And so to go... I know you got a degree, but if that doesn't look good on my kid, we're not doing it, right? And I'm not just going to automatically trust you just because you say so. I'm going to give you a shot, but I'm taking my kid to a place of safety if, if you're not safe with them. And that included, by not safe, that included teaching them in a way that would be um, harmful to their self-image. So it was very, it was a very special circumstance when people try to copy me. I'm like, well, it's you can learn from me, but you can't really copy it. Mm -hmm. you, you, know? said, you said something that resonated with me. Um, you said something about authority and then you mentioned abuse. And, you know, I think that it's very hard for a lot of people 
I'm one of those open people that's always been an open book that always screamed from the rooftops, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong, which is how this became your voice, your power. Because a lot of times, most of us started what we started out of a problem or a solution to the problem that is unmet. Um, you mentioned um, how professionals seem to find a name and then they just attach it to a circumstance. And it may fit and it may not, but every circumstance is different, but you're living this life from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And you said, regardless of whether authority says it is or not, you're not one of those person that just goes with it just because it says, because you have a history and your history is directly correlated to your purpose. Can you explain that to listeners, um, what your history is that has basically allowed you to have this open mind to um, imperfection? Oh, yeah. Um, wow, that's an opening to my new book, but I'm bumping. So I have a new book, guys. It's called Sever the Cycle of Abuse with the Subshop Savior. Um, now that I've mentioned that, let me answer your question. I, I think that, you know, as a child, I spent, in fact, this is kind of what, what the book kind of grapples with. I spent a lot of time, first of all, deciding to rewrite the way things are. So hiding in the bathroom, going, remember how this feels, remember how this feels, remember it's wrong, remember it's wrong. Don't, 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 somehow I knew. Yeah, somehow I, I knew to do that, to hold on to the truth tight. And um, one of the things that often happens in domestic issues and, and issues of abuse is that people rewrite history. And you'll, it's crazy making to have somebody, you know, pick up a cup, throw it in, across the room and it smashes and then say, I never did that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy making. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most uh, frustrating parts. You know when someone's going to hit you, usually. You know when the violence is coming. You can go and crawl in the cubbyhole and hide or whatever. But that crazy making piece of changing history, um, that is was was the hardest and the gift because the gift in it so that's kind of what you're asking me where are the pluses and minuses even though i don't i don't want anyone to have to go through something negative in order to gain something positive i don't think it's necessary but it does give you certain insight yes. and yeah and that crazy making piece it made me know that i could in my own head change history i could in my own head rewrite that fear, rewrite who was to blame. And as a child, parents, you have so much power. Children love their parents. I mean, and the abusive one, you sometimes, you crave, I don't know if love's the right word, it isn't. Uh, you crave them more. Mm -hmm. You crave their approval more mm -hmm. because you start to give your self-esteem to them as if when they say you're good, that's when you'll know you're good. And so you have all of this going on for you as a child. And if you're not the person who hangs on to it and tries to straighten it out every wrinkle at a time as it comes up, you will end up with a really big mess uh, by the time you leave childhood that you're going to have to unravel from that point backwards. And that's much harder because you probably bought some of the lies. Right. So I was blessed with some kind of foresight here 
that said, and and I was a writer all my life. I've written and it's been burnt and ripped up. My mom used to, you know, find my work and, and call me names and hit me and burn it and make a big production of everything. And, um, but the writing of it was the gift. So I would write, what's the truth? What really just happened? Who said what? Um, that kind of training really set me up for listening differently to the people telling me a story. Great for being a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you listen differently, you feel, and I had a little bit of Asperger's or hyper, um, there's different kinds of, of, of mm-hmm. autism, and mine was in writing. I did a lot of, uh, of writing, and I really focused and learned all my language that way. Um, it was a life-saving event for me. So I, here I was, I had that little bit of difference. Anyway, I came from that home. So when I started meeting children with, autism they just seemed like my peeps (laughs) and it did set me up for understanding and knowing things that i wouldn't have otherwise known uh i want to pass some of the gift without someone having to go through quite so much of the hell you have said so many things that resonate with me because you mentioned something about when you go through abuse you have a different set of insights And unfortunately, you don't wish that on anybody. But what I want listeners to understand is that no matter what you're going through, there's a lesson in it. Um, We are more hypervigilant to things. We pay attention, as you said, to more. Um, There's a lot of detail, but also the self-concept behind it is attached to the approval and the authority of the abuser. And so no matter what level of abuse it is, those things are facts. And one of the things that I, I want people to get out of your story, your mission as a international uh, speaker is that it's okay. Like you can make sense of it. And what I also notice is that the writing, the coping skills, the artistic expression that comes out of it is what is the gift of most. And many don't realize it. They never tap into it. They never use it. And as you said, it got ripped up, it got burned. I used to be afraid to write things because I never wanted it to be found. So I, I, I had it in here and I always wanted to put it down, but I was always afraid of the repercussions if it was ever found. And so even, you know, I used to want a journal with a lock on it, thinking that that would keep it, but I knew better. I was like, if I really put my feelings down, I have to hold on to them. And I held on to them for 35 years, you know? And now it's finally like, okay, I don't care. I have to just get it out. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Do you have any advice? You know, I'm listening to you and you're utilizing these things now for your good. Um, Do you have advice for people who are struggling with that of how to um, come to terms with their truth and and what to do with it? Um, Sure. (laughs) Lots. I also want to hit on um, a little bit. So let's remember to circle back and talk about being the parent committing the abuse a little bit. Um, but to, to answer your question really quickly, I, as far as me using art or writing to help myself to create a good log, to be a part of the blueprint that sort of showed my way out, um, you have, I have to look at who I was and you have to look at who you are if you're in this circumstance. So I preferred to step forward into the front line and take 
the abuse rather than watch it. So I had siblings and so everybody's different. You know, some people are better as an audience. They're better as let's just keep myself safe and not be the one getting hurt. And others um, are like myself. I would be the one preferring to be hurt. And it isn't that I was a hero. It is it hurt me more to watch. Right. It's easier to be in the in fact, it hurts way more to watch if you're this personality type. So step one is to know yourself, to ask the question, who am I? What am I like? Because your fear of putting it down for my sister, that's not put downable. Mm -hmm. She's never going to write a story about that, Mm -hmm. you know, in private she'll nod her head and say yes and all of that but her safety and her blossoming has come from a quieter way um and maybe she's not made it quite as as far for for those reasons so it would be nice if she took at least the reins a little bit more but it doesn't have to be out loud to the world so be true to yourself just do it for you in a way you could use abstract art You can use, it doesn't have to be something someone can point at and say, oh, so you're saying this and now you're in trouble. Yep. Um, And I think that's a really important first step and maybe the whole step. You know, don't try to do it the way someone else did and don't put it down because they look braver than you. Mm -hmm. I'm not braver. I'm the opposite, right? I can't take the pain of watching pain, right? Not even in a movie. (laughs) man it's funny you say that because i cried the whole like for an hour and a half watching a movie the other day and people don't get it yeah they don't get it it's like i'd rather because you know if you've been in 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 real fights uh that are very physically damaging and all of that what you know is it actually doesn't hurt until you're healing and by then you're not afraid so yeah there's something yeah, there's something in that for us that, and there's a, this form of addiction in that the the victim becomes a part of the story because there's so much adrenaline that flows and stuff. It's much easier to cope with than fear, um, and that'll confuse you because then you'll think it's your fault. But you're a kid. No, <laughs> it's not. exactly exactly. Right. So there's all that. I I do think it, I'd love if you don't mind if we talk about something that isn't usually talked about. So. So here we are, you know, we're talking about child abuse, but the, the children can't, can't do anything to reach us, mm-hmm. right? The children can't call me up and hire me. It's the person stuck in this cycle of anger and uh, reactivity that has to hire me. Well, they're not gonna, mm-hmm. because then they have to admit what's going on. They have to see it differently. And I'm speaking to them for a second, and I, I just want you to know that I'm not going to judge it. I mean, it, and the reason I wouldn't judge it is because I found all those things in me too and had to pluck them out, had to shape yeah. them, had to be forgiving to them. And you are just a product of not just your environment as a child that your parents gave you, but the environment we're throwing at you through the media right now, through, I'm sorry, I'm going to say our president, because he'll say things that are very negative um, about how you can treat someone. We are, we're 
doing that in our video games, in our, we're marketing to you, we're putting you in an echo chamber so that you just keep hearing you're fine when you're not. Mm -hmm. Just, if you're not happy, something's wrong. If you're hurting your child, just make the call. You know, give me a chance to at least guide you where to go. And I also want to make it known that victims perp, you know, when you, when yeah. you, when you are a victim and it's unresolved, you perp and you, regardless of your desire to um, relive or to duplicate the behaviors, it's natural. And that's what I want people to hear. Everything you're saying, absolutely true. It's natural because you, it's learned behavior. And even though you may know it's wrong, it's still natural for you to, it's your go-to. It's how you know how to deal, you know, you right. know what it looks like any other way. Right. And I can totally relate to that because as I was growing up, I just knew that I never wanted to do these certain things. And then I watched myself do them. Or, you know, you don't want to do these certain things. So you, you're careful of those certain things, but you're a child. You don't know the whole palette, exactly. right? So you're doing other things. That, that could be worse. It's like, okay, even, you know, mental yelling, lashing, those kind of things. And then it even sometimes produces self-harm, you know, like my negative coping skills of smoking when I now have emphysema, you know, but it's like, I would rather hurt myself than, than take it out on everybody else around me because you have all these unresolved issues. And as you said, even in the healing process, the healing process is a process. It's, it's not going to be a one-stop shop. Okay. You're healed. It's a process. It takes time. And, and as you're changing behaviors and you're changing things that you've learned over the years, you can't change it all at one time. That's like overload. You got to do bits and pieces and baby steps. And that's why you hear that so much is baby steps. You got to do a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of personal development, a little bit of professional development, and a little bit of spiritual development. You got you to gotta work all the angles. You can't only right. do one thing and leave the rest the same. Yeah, no, it's true. You got to get, get it all. You're right. I, I remember thinking, okay, so I have these religious beliefs that are helping me to stay stuck because I'm full of fear on that too. Everything was fear of authority, fear of authority. Um, yeah. So you really have to take a look at your whole self and, and also, you know, really get that your definition of love comes from an environment that's actually a definition of addiction to emotional intensity. So that's, that's a true ad addiction. That's why people do, you know, they jump off of mountains in little squirrel suits and they climb. The, the need to feel that intense, it cleans away all of the clutter of how do I pay my bills? How do I get, you know, get this friend to call me back how do all these things that are, are sort of the clutter of our life they're immediately cleared away in extreme emotional intensity mm -hmm. and so when you were a child if you're the people that raised you that you loved treated you in a way where your hit of of love is actually misidentified as this extreme fear or extreme need or um, extreme anger or extreme, then you're, you can't escape without fixing that. You can't escape reproducing that behavior because you do love your child. So here you are loving your child and hurting them. And now you don't want to tell anyone. And yet it's your love 
with this misidentification of what love is that's causing it. So if we can keep the love and change the identification, then you're going to be a better parent, a lovely parent, actually. And that looks different and it produces different children. Yeah. And it produces, you know, different bodies. We, you know, you lose the ulcer, you, you walk tall and feel proud and um, produces a different family. Look in the mirror and you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. Huh? Very different. Yeah. yeah, you know, this, I, I, not to plug the book, but to plug the book. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I want to hear all about the book because I know that the book comes out of growth, um, experience, adversity. I love those things because those things are what make a good product, but they also provide wisdom. And, and that's what a lot of people, a lot of people don't want to invest in, in education, but they will, they can relate to wisdom. And that's what I want people to hear. So tell, tell everybody about it. Um, well, actually, what I love about this book is I have another one that's a picture book as well. And so this is a picture book. Um, I'll show you and you can, <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I can show Nika. I'm so excited, uh, a picture book, because who doesn't love pictures? Right. But it's, it's also a story. Um, and I remember I, it was a, a subject I really wanted to be able to reach the wholeness, you know, the, the parent, the child. So it looks like a manga. Um, so it's very, it's got that sort of anime look and it has the manga look. Um, the cover looks kind of like a therapeutic coloring book. I wanted to share an epiphany rather than ask you to try to educate yourself with my, like I have self-help books and stuff, but I wanted to share an epiphany that you would embrace rather than ask you to commit to a large book that would require a certain kind of focus you weren't ready to give. I love that. Thank I'm, you. I'm in shock. Like, this is a brilliant idea. I'm hoping that more people will take it on for that reason. Yeah. That's what we use in therapy. You know, I used to work in child welfare and the kids would draw me a picture and I they didn't know I was analyzing it, but it told me everything I needed to know. And, and a lot of people don't know that, that, you know, even in the art, there's a story in the art and the brain is, it's, um, it's, it's, it's unintentional, but it's natural and it's, it's divine when it comes out in art form because words, you like to change it because you want to make it look a certain way, but you really can't do that with, right. the, you know, right. volume. Right. And so it's a true story. It's what happened to me, but it's what happens to everyone that, that grows up in a, a, state, a situation of child abuse. There isn't anyone that doesn't have to have that point, if they want to heal at all, where they're going, oh, wait a minute. That, that thing that was happening, it has a different name. It's not just I was in trouble. It's not just uh, a feisty mom. It's not just, right? And I see something here and how do I get out of it? And why do I keep always thinking of her every second of every day, even though I haven't lived with her for years. And so this moment and this, this moment's universal to anyone who comes out of it, how you solve that, if you solve it, that's personal. But the moment is universal. And so I wanted to write a story that was true of me that would 
bring you to that place and give you the gift of not reliving it, not uh, becoming the perpetrator over and over again for the rest of your life with your eyes on your parents, thinking that you, because this, I was at a group uh, therapy session once and every woman in that group therapy session was talking about their childhood and what horrible things had happened to them. But what you have to understand is that group therapy session was for people who somehow ended up married to or living with an abuser. Mm -hmm. So that was me. That's why I was there. And, um, and I sat there and I watched all these women talking about their childhood and not embracing why they were there, which was, I, I don't want to be a repeater here. Even if it's not me doing it, I'm picking someone who is. Exactly. They, didn't, they didn't make the leap. They just sat there feeling sorry for their past with their eyes on their past while creating a similar past for their child. And that was shocking to me. I had no idea. Um, I was completely without knowledge on that. When I saw that, I remember holding on to it, thinking someday I have to put a voice to this. Mm -hmm. you know, this is a problem. And that's hopefully what the book will do for you. And nobody has to, you know, nobody has to sit there and read 75 chapters of uh, exercises and meditation advice. That's a different book I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? That's so important because a lot of people... Um, I think a lot of people opt, you know, away from therapy because um, you mentioned it and I've spent my whole career trying to normalize it. Um, but even the meditation and the self-help, can you tap on that a little bit? Because I want people to understand that even if you're not asking for help from a person, if you're researching and you're working on yourself or you're doing workbooks, if you, if you want to start somewhere, that's a perfect place to start. I have a PTSD workbook in my closet. And I have wanted this book for so many years. And I just looked at it yesterday and I was like, I'm, I'm failing. Because those things are extremely helpful and they help you um, kind of, it's self-development, you know, and, and it, but it's healing. And no matter what it is, um, to have a book is, is, or a workbook that's private. And if you're not ready to make that leap yet, I think that's a perfect first step. So can you, can you tap on that? Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to repeat something I said. And by the way, um, I have a book called Inspire Yourself to Great. The one I was just talking about is called Sever the Cycle of Abuse with the Sub Shop Savior. Um, but the one before that is Inspire Yourself to Greatness, Change Your Brain, Change the World. Um, and that one is a workbook, actually. It's a, or actually, it's an interactive book, I think is a better way of saying it. And it helps you identify who you are. Why does that matter? Everyone thinks they know who they are, but the truth is, if you don't take a minute to find out who you are, you will get lost in advice. Mm -hmm. So let's use meditation as a great example. You said it, I said it, so we'll use it. it. Everyone knows what it is. So if I meditate, it's not good for me, right? So we have this, this belief in our, this one size fits all belief in our society. But once you learn about brains and bodies and, and how they operate, you, you come to understand the beauty of individuality. So for me, focusing and asking a question and trying to get an answer, clearing my head, these are all really important, but I do it in movement. I do it on a treadmill. I do it while I go for a walk. I do it. If I sit to meditate, 
my brain has too much low wave behavior and I, I will just end up actually dragging through the day. It won't be healthy for me. So why do I bring that up? Because if you don't first trust you, and it could change, by the way, I could hit a certain age. In fact, if I was thinking recently, maybe that's different now because I'm older and I've, you know, it's menopause time and all that. And so now meditation might fit me because your brain changes, your body changes. So you have to trust you even as you can't trust you because you know you were mistaught. So you trust your gut, you try something, you embrace books that give you a good place to start, you hear an idea, it resonates with you, you try it while keeping an eye on yourself. Because sometimes it resonates with you because it rings a, a bell that, that is broken. And other times it resonates with you because it's the way out. So start with the typical stuff. But if you try to meditate and feel worse, do a walking meditation, do something with movement. And all of a sudden the acts of meditation, meditation is still good. Mm-hmm. You probably need movement. Mm-hmm. Does that help you? I, I like that because I think um, you were saying something earlier and I realized that when we put a name to things, it kind of could be a problem for some people because people only associate the names of things with certain things. And meditation is one, for instance, you say meditation with movement. People don't realize that's a thing. That right. that the, that meditation is a state. It's not one thing where you have to sit there and say "Om" and cross your legs. It's not. And I think you know, in listening and talking to you today, I realized that there's a lot of misassociations with words. Um, and I think that also fears um, it, it, it adds fear to a lot of people. I know I've recently talked to people into word anxiety or PTSD or depression. People jump because they they think it looks a certain way. You know, even abuse, you say the word and it's striking to anybody. Right. It has so many different faces and looks and feels, um, so many different circumstances. And so I think that um, even in meditation, as you said, I want people to understand that there's variation in these things. There's options. It doesn't all look alike that you can tailor make these methods to work for you. Right. Right. But I do think if you have abuse that it could be eye opening, just look up, just do a Google search. What is the cycle of abuse? Just a simple Google search and ask yourself, okay, do I hit, you know, like I was talking about earlier about changing history, changing history. Yeah, that happened. You know, all these different things. Then take a deep breath and apply it to yourself. Mm -hmm. Which of these things did I not notice I evolved into? And just, it's okay. It's natural. You were just trying to be a good parent the way you were taught to start, you know, reaching out for help and stripping that away a little at a time. When you said um, words, let's start where let's finish, you know, close up closer. We're getting close to the end. So um, we started with the idea of autism. And I mentioned that, you know, if I hadn't had autistic kids or special needs kids with various disabilities, I wouldn't have been able to tell that, no, that's not autism. That's bad experts, right? I wouldn't have known the difference. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Right? So so I'll use an example of that to make it concrete for somebody listening. And that is, for example, I use this often. Uh, The idea that autistic people don't like to be touched is completely wrong. 
all the autistic people I know like to be hugged and, and snuggled and, but they have sensory issues. So it often looks different. Mm -hmm. They have hypersensitive to your mood issues. So if you're not stepping into the hug with the right mood, they're like, Oh, I'm out of here. You're going to overwhelm me. Your energy's wrong. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that gets read as, Oh, in autism, they don't like to be touched. And then you say to the child over and over again, oh, you're autistic, you don't like to be touched. And before you know it, just like the child who's told they're stupid or the child who's told they're too coquettish, that would have been me, <laughs> they, they become what they're told they are. Uh, so don't buy the myths. And don't be afraid to uh, go against authority. You, you said that earlier in so many words. And I, I think that people need to know that it's okay to question authority. Right. You know, because a lot of times, as you said, there's so many misdiagnoses. And <laughs> excuse me, a lot of people, you know, they'll go to one professional. I mean, for me, I was labeled um, when I was 14 after being raped, you know, and they said, oh, she's bipolar. It wasn't bipolar. It was PTSD. And so then I went through this stage of my life where I'm like, am I bipolar? And then you see this stuff on TV about bipolar. You see all these things. And nobody ever knew that I struggled for years because then at 21, they said, oh, no, it's ADHD. And I'm like, but I just graduated from college. Like, what do you mean? And so I literally was ruined by these labels for so many years. And I just started studying and I started going back to school and I started learning and growing. And I realized that I shouldn't have listened to these people, but we don't know better because we are asking for help and we're trusting that these people know. But as you stated with autism, and as I'm sitting here doing qualitative research, um, the reality is some of this stuff is so concrete that there's no room for variation and that we have to understand that every circumstance is different and that we, we know our children, we know ourselves enough that we should be able to um, ask the questions. If something looks like it doesn't fit and it may not be right, don't be afraid to say, I don't believe this and I'm not taking this pill because this, I don't think this is right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, my kids never did medication. Uh, <clears throat> I shouldn't say that they tr I tried medication for about six months, one year, because I felt like I was being the parent that wouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And not being fair like, to okay, it. Let me see if this works, but a lot of people will let it keep going and they'll see the changes in their child and know that it's worse, but they'll go with it because the professional says go with it. And I just want like talking to you. I think you, you can clarify like that it's okay to say and advocate on you and your child's behalf and say, no, this is not working. Give me something. You know what? You're, you're going to be a parent there your entire life. Now you just said a child. So you're a parent forever. And the teacher is a teacher for a year. So just remember, this is your job, not theirs. Um, don't try to pass it to someone else. Uh, you're the overseer of everything. And once you embrace that, it doesn't feel like a prison. It feels like freedom. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you know, then you can be clear headed about all this and say, well, I'm sorry, but that's not the way that in my world it's going to be. That can be that way for you. But my kids, I'm moving them along. So just own it, you know, embrace it. It's funny what we think is um, challenging is actually usually the easier road. And in this case, that's true. Yeah. And you know, it, sometimes it's work, but it's worth it. I think Well, I'll you're going to work anyways. You don't get out of working and people that just sit on a couch, they're more unhappy. So <laughs> let's just well, embrace life, you yeah. know, the, 
the clock's going to tick by. You're going to be doing something. Do something that you're happy you did that involves you and your children in a way and, and the world in a way that you get to blossom and be happy in. What the heck, you know? I agree. Can you tell listeners how to find you? I can. <laughs> um, I have a new website, which I would love you to visit, uh, brainbroad.com. I checked it out. I love it. I was watching your videos. I was like, I love her energy. That's what I told you. I was, I was stalking you. I was, I was. Well, hey, you stalk me all you like. You go for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I'm trying. You know, I'm at that point in my life where what I want more than anything is to make sure that as I stop, as I slow down and stop over the next, you know, 15 years or so. I've really left an impact and sort of changed the shape of what people think and do so that they can have happier lives. We give ourselves away to the recipes that are sold to us all the time. Um, you know, an example would be thinking that you have to have a degree. I did all the really good work without it. <laughs> so, you well, know, we were talking about that before we started recording. And I think that, you know, I think that God puts people in your path for a reason, because I was just having this conversation this morning. And then I looked at your website and I looked at your story and your story resonates with me more than your, your education. Um, because I've, I've battled with that. I put a lot of my worth in, in letters because that's what I was taught by my mother. And, um, I realized that, you know, and even where I was working for 20 years, I figured I, I settled because I was like, until I get a master's, I'm not worthy of a higher position. And I kept getting, you know, overpassed. And, and now in entrepreneurship, I realized that you can design your own path. And if you're doing something, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. But I think that you gave me motivation just in your story alone, because I have three children with different diagnoses each. I have my own, you know, I have chronic illness, I have PTSD, I have extreme panic disorder, but I want everybody to know that that's okay. And, and I said it's work because in making my lifestyle changes, you know, there is relief on the other side, but it may take extra work. A lot of people just want a pill or that's the easy road, but it's also destructive at the end. You know, it, it, it can, it can ruin you. And so I just really like, you know, I was looking at your story and I was like, this woman, to be a single mom, to have eight children. And I was a child protective investigator. So just knowing the placement and knowing how hard it is to have children, to place children, to see these children, to pick these children up, I've been there. So that's why I appreciate your story so much because I'm looking at you and all the ideas that I have in my head and I'm like, no, I would be crazy. It's too hard. You just validated all that for me. <laughs> people look at me all the time and they're like why would you touch that and I'm like because it needs it like some it, this needs me maybe this is why I'm here and every time I think that I'm alone because everybody's like well Anika you're crazy but you just validated me and and so I just I'm just happy that I had the opportunity today to talk to you and to to listen to you and I, I look forward to seeing your books and your your follow your your videos uh, as you're going across the world. Tell listeners where you're going next. Um, I think the next conference that I'm speaking at is in Israel. Uh, I, actually, Israel is really cool because it's going to be fun. Well, it's always fun, right? So, but um, I did a so I have this show. It's called Fix It in Five, and it's on the Autism Channel. And it's I also I'm not just a speaker, but I also do hands-on work. I work with the brain, and I help optimized function 
And so <clears throat> there were so many things that I saw that bothered me that I couldn't talk about because of confidentiality that I decided to do a TV show so that I could show it. <laughs> Eat that. <laughs> yeah. So I actually did one in Israel that I'm not quite finished editing. And I bring cameras with me to work and the whole family gets help. Um, we do neural feedback. I teach behavioral stuff. We change the circumstance. So it'll be the unveiling actually at this conference of some of the video from that. Wow. And uh, so that's kind of, and it just happened. Like, you know, we talked about how the universe sort of throws things together in your path. Yes, it does. Yeah, and, and I, I'm just cool up sometimes. Right. <laughs> so I'm. It, it's exciting to be completing the Israels. There's five hour long shows for each place that I go. One was Uganda, one was the States, one was Israel, and I'm still doing it. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of exciting that I'm going there to show that and do a workshop and teach them how – teach the professionals how to do what I do in the show so it'll be fun I'm, I'm living through you right now like I'm I love this this is amazing so listeners if you're sitting on something and you feel like something might be a little bit too steep or that mountain is too high um Lynette is going around the world and you know I just you are a definition of limitless thank you um I want to thank you for being here um, can you tell listeners your website again? Brainbroad.com, um, brainbody.net, and lynettelouise.com. Pick your poison. All right, y'all. That's Lynette Louise. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson. Stay powerful.